Welcome to ACC Basketball Report. I am Michael Hunter at ACCBR1 on Twitter. I thank you guys for joining me this evening or morning whenever you're able to listen to the show. This is episode number 97. I am here today with uh, the chimp, obviously, Chimp Carey, my boy, uh, on the third mic. And uh, we got a special guest. Uh, I know we always, you know, Jonathan Warner is a frequent guest of ACC Basketball Report. Today I've got his boy, Sean Smock, um, who does podcasts with J-Dub. He writes articles for Making the Madness. And he did, whoop, that's my phone. Um, He did an article in late June of his top 25 players in the ACC for the 2020-2021 season. And, um, you know, it's funny, I, I didn't realize that he was so young when I, when I started, you know, I follow Sean, I, I have for a long time, he's followed me for a long time, and, uh, you know, we kind of got bullshitting back and forth, I said, hey, you mind coming on here and kind of, not just debating, but having a, uh, a frank discussion on, on your list? He said, absolutely. And, um, you know, talking to the chimp, we we're doing a little, uh, a little pregame, trying to get ready for the show, and uh, the chimp came to me and says, you realize this, is, this kid might still be in high school, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know, I, I I I didn't know, but uh, but Sean is has been you know really forthcoming as far as putting his opinion out there in stories. And I thought that he could handle it, and let me tell you, he knocked it out of the fucking park. So um, great guest, uh, the chimp is getting more comfortable on the show. I think I think he's a great addition to the show, and I thought today's show was really fun. We went a little bit long. It's gonna be. Damn near an hour and a half, I think, by the time I get everything in here. So, a um, little bit longer than we like to do by about double. You guys, I try to stick to 45 to 50, but lately, it's just been too much fun to, to let it, you know, to, to, to let it go. So, here we are. Um, I, I think right now, there's still some people sitting at home, still some people looking for some entertainment, so I don't really have a problem with going along um, when we get into the season, if we have a season, which right now... I got to tell you guys, I'm about 65% positive that we're not going to have college basketball, which I think also means that we're not going to have college football. So, I I mean, who am I? I'm just a guy. I'm a construction worker who does a podcast on the ACC. I don't know if we're going to have a season. I'm going to be perfectly honest with you guys. There's my phone again. Um, But I hope we do. God, I'm losing my fucking mind. Thank God. I mean, I haven't said in five years that thank God baseball's back because I've, I've kind of fallen off the map with baseball, but thank God baseball's back. Something something to watch. I actually found myself today sitting in a Hispanic restaurant for lunch watching the uh, like the all-terrain vehicles, like the buggies that guys drive that they climb mountains with, you know, the big rock climbing cars, and they always flip over and roll that down the hill. I was watching that today, like it was like it was Tiger at the Masters 15 years ago, just live. Or actually, it was probably a rerun. I don't even know. I don't even care. I hadn't seen it before. Didn't know what was going to happen. So I was watching it while I was stuffing a Chori Pollo quesadilla right in my face with avocado on the side. Anyway, don't forget like, rate, review, share the podcast. Tell your friends. Tell your mom. Um, you know, subscribe ACCBR on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And, uh, you know, part of the, the Belly Up Network at this point, uh, bellyup.com. Again, I'm going to be a staff writer for them, writing game previews, betting previews, DFS previews for college basketball, betting previews for NFL football, as well as opinion pieces on 
just whatever the hell's going on in college basketball, the NFL, and possibly some MLB if anything interesting happens. Because right now in the world we live in, MLB is kind of kind of writing their own checks. Like MLB is where it's at. The NBA, this whole bubble thing is more dramatic than Laguna Beach. And I wonder how long it's going to last. But, uh, hey, sports slowly trickling in. I'm getting more work uh, at NUP. Uh, I'm getting work at, at Belly Up. So things are looking up. I'm not sure that we're doing everything we can as a society to, to, to kind of curb this pandemic. Um, and, and that's on us. If we don't have sports, that's on us because people are too proud to wear a fucking mask to the store when they get their beer. But... That's neither here nor there. I hope you guys really enjoyed today's show. As my, I really enjoyed doing it. I thought Chimp was fantastic. I thought Sean was fantastic. I cannot believe this kid's 18 years old. Here he is. He is Sean Smock of Making the Madness. This is the ACC Basketball Report. Farrell turns the key, drives the lane with three on the shot clock. Doesn't get it. Five seconds to play. Down the floor. Welcome to the ACC Basketball Report. I am Michael Hunter. With me today is Sean Smock of Making the Madness, which is owned and operated by our good friend and friend of the program, Jonathan Warner. And also joining us, as always, is the one and only Chimp Carey. Chimp, what's going on, man? Uh, not a whole lot. Uh, happy to have Sean on the program tonight. Should be a uh, fun show. Uh, I've never refereed anything before, so, <laughs> you know, if you guys get to going at it a little bit. I don't know if I'm going to be able to step in. So just for a warning there. I advertised that I tried to beef it up a little bit, but I think we can, I'm a guy that tries to uh, gain an understanding of somebody's thought process more than anything. Now I do disagree with, with, with some of Sean's takes, but maybe he can clarify what he's looking at and how he, he kind of came about and what about his process. Sean, you're a, you're a first time guest. I I appreciate you guys taking the time uh, this evening. Why don't you go ahead and tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? Uh, thanks for having me. I've just, I'm pretty new to riding, only two, three months in. I uh, watch a lot of college basketball, put a lot of work in, do a lot of studying stats, and just I watch a lot during the season. So, just uh, pretty excited to be on here. How did you uh, How did you get uh, hooked up with uh, J Dub? Well, I was, I actually knew him from a. I had a different Twitter account that I didn't really tweet on. I just follow people. Okay. And me and him DM'd for like six months during the season just talked all the time so when i noticed there was kind of a dead period in content i'm like i could probably hop on and help you sure so that's how we got here um is that something you aspire to do in the future as far as getting into journalism or anything like that yeah i'd like to i think it'd be pretty fun i, I love all sports for the most part love basketball football and baseball so that kind of stuff is really my thing nice nice um yeah jonathan has become one of one of my favorite people as far as People that I don't know. <laughs> yeah, he's been on. Yeah. He's been on this show probably more than anybody, with the exception of Harold Little. And uh, always good times to get caught up with him. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit before we get into your list, which a couple weeks ago you released a top twenty-five ACC players list for twenty twenty twenty-one. I. I you know, I went over it a little bit. We've talked about it offline a little bit. We're going to get into that in a few minutes. But uh, we've had some news lately um, with some things going around the nation, uh, specifically guys testing the draft waters. What was your take on uh, Alonzo Verge returning to Arizona State? And what does it do to Arizona State if he and Remy Martin both return? 
Well, I think it's very big. I mean, Verge, I, I'm a West Coast guy, so I see a lot of Pac-12 hoops, and Verge really struggled to start the season. He couldn't hit a three to save his life, mm-hmm. and uh, he went like three for 23 the first couple months of the season from deep. He had a wrist injury, missed the Virginia game. I think that he's one of the craftiest scorers in college basketball, though, when he's on. he's uh, He can create really well for himself. And in Juco, he averaged 30 points a game his sophomore season. And I think to Arizona State's success, he's almost more important to Remy Martin because Martin can kind of get a little uh, careless with the ball at times, mm-hmm. and he's really streaky scoring-wise. So overall, I think Verge is more important. But I think scoring-wise, but I think Martin makes the team better, if that makes sense. But I think they, they'll be a number one team in the Pac-12, whether Martin returns or not, because he got Joshua Christopher, Marcus Bagley. Then you have Jalen Graham, who can step in and fill Romello White's role really well. And then some question marks like Tayshawn Sherry and Kamani Lawrence. Can they step in to that four spot and make it you know, a plus position for the team? What about the loss of Romello White? You don't think that that makes them take a step back in the Pac-12? Maybe. I don't think that much, as much as other people do, because Jalen Graham, who was a freshman, true freshman last season, didn't play a ton, but the first game of the season in China against Colorado, when Romello White got suspended, Jalen Graham had five blocks, five rebounds, and three points, and every time he was on the floor, he it looked like he was making impact, and Bobby Hurley speaks really highly of him. So, in Bobby Hurley's offense, where super guard-heavy, I think that a big man just has to do the things a big man old school did, get blocks, get rebounds, that kind of thing. Uh, and I would say, also a quick note on Verge, this is a guy who led the nation in 20-point games coming off the bench for his team with six this season, including a 43-point outburst uh, against St. Mary's uh, in mid-December. It was a loss, but he still scored 43 points off the bench. He did play 35 minutes that game, but still. Um, I think slightly bigger news is the return of Isaiah Livers to Michigan. Um, they have a freshman point guard coming in. Xavier Simpson has graduated, but Livers, along with Franz Wagner, Eli Brooks, um, incoming Hunter Dickinson, and uh, they have a four-man coming in whose name I forget off the top of my head. But I think this makes Michigan one of the best teams in the Big Ten, even though they're transitioning from one of the most experienced and, and best leaders as far as the point guard position goes to a you know a four-star rated point guard in Zeb Johnson, I believe his name is. Um, Zeb Jackson. Zeb Jackson, sorry. Um, what do you make of uh, Livers' return, and what do you think about Michigan in the upcoming season? Yeah, I mean, getting Livers back is really big. When they were really good at the start of the season, they started unranked, and I don't remember where they ended up. They were top five, I think, after yeah. beating Gonzaga, beating North Carolina in uh, the Bahamas, maybe. But yeah. that Atlantis, Livers was yeah. key. Atlantis, yeah. Uh, Livers was key to their success. He's a really good shooter. He's a solid defender. And having him along with Franz Wagner, who was hurt early in the season, mm-hmm. who is could be one of the better scorers in college basketball this season. But one of the main questions for me is that if they play Mike Smith, grad transfer from Columbia, who's right. only 5'11", along with Eli Brooks, who's only 6'1", that's a really small two-guard lineup. So what I could see them doing is playing Smith starter minutes off the bench and then go something like Brooks, Wagner, Isaiah Livers at the three, Brandon Johns Jr. at the four, and Dickinson at the five. But I could also see them starting Zeb Jackson. I just don't really see them playing a ton of Smith and Brooks together. Yeah, I think the other thing that we haven't really talked about yet is uh, Chondi Brown, who should receive 
a waiver in, in my in my opinion simply because of the coaching change. Whenever there's a coaching change and you're recruited by that coach and you go somewhere else, I think it should be automatic that you receive a waiver. I agree, but here's the thing with Brown. This is I think he does not get a waiver, and I think Olivier Sark does because Shondi Brown entered the transfer portal 10 days before Danny Manning was let go. Yeah. So unless they can prove that he somehow knew that, which he wouldn't have because I don't think Danny Manning even knew, then I think he's going to have trouble explaining that why he entered the portal two weeks before uh, Danny Manning was let go. Coronavirus. When in doubt, blame the coronavirus, people. Maybe, It yeah. will get you a waiver yeah. every fucking time. Um, Maybe. <laughs> Chimp, uh, any opinion on the return of either Verge or Livers? Uh, absolutely, I have opinions. Uh, <laughs> mainly on the, on the... That's why I'm here. The, uh, the Verge thing... I watch quite a bit of Pac-12 basketball, too. Now, I'm located in the southeast, but I watch a lot of Pac-12. I'm a big Bill Walton fan, so I find myself late at night watching Pac-12 basketball. Now, the thing with Verge, watching him last year, number one, he likes to talk a lot. You know, Juco guy came in, and he is a very confident player. I'll give him that, and he is a good scorer. Um, But I'll say this. The thing about Arizona State, and, and Sean, I believe you said you think they're going to be the number one team in the Pac-12. Did I hear you correctly? Yeah, I think it's down with them in Oregon right now. Uh, it kind of, you know, I guess Oregon could go to number one if LJ Figueroa gets a waiver. I don't really see that as a possibility, but I have Will Richardson as my Pac-12 player of the year. But Arizona State and Oregon are kind of neck and neck right there. That's a hell of a call okay, right but, there, Jim. I'm gonna I'm gonna hold you to that, and we'll see. Hopefully, we play basketball number one. But yeah. uh, it, you know, if, if Arizona finishes in the top, excuse me, Arizona State finishes in the a top two, I will give you kudos all day long. I, I, watching Bobby Hurley's teams play, I'm just not impressed. They they, they don't play. A, they they're not disciplined. Uh, they do more talking than playing. Uh, so I, I'm just not a big fan of, of, of Hurley's. Um, you know, they, they're very athletic, uh, but but I just I, I don't see that um, at all. But I do think Verge coming back will help them. Now, the only thing when it comes to this Livers thing, and I have not watched Michigan a lot, mm-hmm. I'll admit that, but playing him at the three, in my opinion, is going to be very interesting. He, he is more of a uh, of a uh, he can step out and shoot the ball. I know that, but having two smaller guards and moving him to the three that is going to be really interesting to watch if that happens. Yeah, he shot forty percent from deep last season, so he could more than step out. I mean, I think it may be more well, of a, it, a defensive question for me. But yeah, yeah, I agree. But you're going to get hurt if you have a two guard lineup too. So I think you'd rather just take your blows with livers at the three. Well, and it also, uh, you say, well, okay, well, he shot 40% from three. Um, I, I don't know how many he shot, you know, how many he made. I don't know anything about that. Just watching him, uh, he, he's not a natural shooter, in my opinion. And when you move somebody to the three, you're going to need him to make shots. So, as I said, listen, I don't know how it's going to work, but it will be interesting to watch. Yeah, I think, you know, that's why I kind of mentioned Brown. I think one of the things, I don't know how many coaches are doing this right now, but I think there is some kind of trend to playing like two two guys that can handle the ball, two guys that can play on the wing, and then a big guy. It, you know what I mean? You're looking for those two point guards and then two six 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 seven guys that can shoot it a little bit, and then a big guy that can defend the rim. Um, I, I think you get that when you have 
you know, Eli Brooks, um, Chandy Brown, Isaiah Livers, and then, you know, even maybe Brandon Jones Jr. or Hunter Dickinson, and then um, the freshman who's uh, Zeb or uh, Franz Wagner as well. So you lose a little bit of ball handling when you have Wagner on the floor, but if you're playing, you know, Eli Brooks, who's not really, I don't think, a natural ball handle. He's more of a spot-up guy. Uh, it, it's inter- in, Michigan's an interesting team, but I think they're extremely talented when it comes to their wings. Um, as far as attempts from from Livers last year, he did shoot 102 threes and made 41 of them for 40%. So he, he can shoot it. I, I, I worry about him on the defensive end uh, defending three uh, natural threes. I'd rather see him defend fours, but you know, that's just me. I think the way that Michigan slows the game down, slows the ball game down, limits possessions, not quite the way that Virginia does, but in that same kind of manner, that works in their favor, especially with a lineup where they have some some big-bodied kids like Livers, like Johns Jr., like Chaundy Brown. Yeah, and if I can step in real fast. So sure. you said you would give me kudos if Arizona State is top two in the Pac-12. So who's your number one and two then? Uh, excuse me, who's my number one and number two? Yeah, in the Pac-12. Uh, well, all I can tell you is that Arizona State's not – in the one and two, I, I don't do uh, rankings like uh, like a lot of you guys do. Um, I would certainly, based on Dana Altman and the things that he's done at Oregon, I would have them in the top two. Um, beyond that, um, honestly, I really don't know. I, I I'll say this: I'm more in the camp of Arizona State is not going to be there than who is going to be there. I'm just not a Bobby Hurley fan. I've watched him a lot. Is Chris, is Chris Smith coming not... back? Huh? What do you say? Is Chris Smith, Chris Smith? UCLA coming back? Uh, he hasn't announced yet, but I would say odds are he is. I mean, if but, they're healthy, I, uh, I like UCLA. I have them three, yeah. but I'm tempted. I'm kind of you know interested to see what's going to happen with uh, Cody Riley and Jalen Hill down low if one of them can step up and become a real star. Sure. Sorry to cut you off, Chip. Go ahead, buddy. Sorry. Oh, no, no, no problem at all. Um, so I guess the point is I, I, I can't – I'm not going to rank the teams, um, but I, Oregon will be there, uh, would be a top two pick for me. And then, I don't know, you could throw UCLA in there. Um, I, I can tell you this, I like uh, many other coaches in the league a lot more than I like Bob Curley. I'll say that. I like Tad Boyle. Uh, I think Mick Cronin is, is – he turned it around last year, does a good job. Uh, I like Hass at, at Stanford. Um, uh, not a huge Sean Miller fan, but I think he's a better coach than Bobby Hurley. So I'm basing it more off of watching, you know, how the teams play, how they're coached, that kind of thing. So more, it's more of that than anything else. All right, that, that's fair. I wouldn't say that Bobby Hurley's a top-tier coach in the conference either, but talent-wise, that team is very talented. If Remy Martin comes yeah, back, I, I think. Yeah, I, I would agree. I mean, you know, when you watch Arizona State play, I mean, my goodness, I mean, they they are athletic. They like to run up and down. And when you just look at them from a roster standpoint, in my opinion, they should be better. Yeah. I, I guess maybe that's what I, what I'm kind of trying to say is is that yeah. I don't think I think Hurley's quite gotten as much out of some of these guys as he probably should have. Yeah. yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree. I, and the other thing is, they seem to always look really good in the out of conference, and then they get in Pac-12 play, yeah. and they seem to fall apart a little bit. Yeah, this year that change is kind of shocking. Uh, they were kind of bad in non-conference play, but they turned it on. I think they won seven of their last eight games, yep. and then Jaime Hawkins of UCLA hit that game winner, so that broke the streak. 
But, I mean, this season's really a make-or-break season for Hurley, I feel like. I agree. Um, moving on to another transfer, I think probably the best transfer left. I saw that you actually took this kid um, in some kind of draft that you and J-Dub did for Making the Madness. Mm-hmm. Um, ben Stanley from Hampton is is in the transfer portal, um, has announced his, his final six, and I'm doing this off the top of my head, Dayton, Xavier, Illinois, Oregon, um, a return to Hampton Maryland. and Maryland. That's correct. Um, yeah. I think that he is similar to the, the Carly Jones uh, move from Radford to Louisville. I think he is a low major player coming out of the MEAC that can make an impact at the highest levels. I would love to uh-huh. see him at Oregon. I would love to see him at Dayton. Um, I, I, I don't know. It's always interesting to me when they include the team that they seem to be stepping away from as a possibility uh-huh. to return to. That's always very interesting to me. But where do you think the best fit for him is, and where would you like to see him end up? Best fit, I think, playing-wise, I think would be Oregon. Mm-hmm. But where does he go? I think it's going to be Maryland because he grew up like, or his hometown's like 20 minutes away from the Maryland campus. So I think that'll earn him a waiver right there. So he won't have to sit out play immediately. And he's six six, but he plays a little bigger than that. He's not really a wing guy. Right. He's more of a four man undersized a bit. But you can play. I mean, they need help down low. I mean, they're pretty terrible right now. I mean, you have Galen Smith who went to Alabama and wasn't good at all. Chul Marial who was seven two, but he didn't really play much last year. Yeah, and then obviously do. losing, yeah. yeah, and losing Jalen Smith and Joshua Tomayek who also didn't really play. He needs someone to fill that role. He can score really good. He's a good enough shooter, I guess, 33%. That's fine. And he, I don't know, he was really good last season. He didn't shoot a lot of threes, 45. But right. that's enough. I mean, he scored 22 a game. So. I, I, well, that, that, go ahead. Can I, can I jump in here, yeah, Absolutely, yep. Uh, Sean, that was my question I had for you. I, I, I'll be honest with you. I really don't know anything about Ben Stanley. I did look him up today. At his size, moving up a level – in play, I thought he averaged what eight and a half, nine rebounds a game. Seven point three. Okay, my question is: is you know, at his size, is he going to have enough of an impact offensively? Because I don't think he can move up another level as far as with the size he's going to see and get seven or eight rebounds a game. So that's my question: is he good enough offensively to make a difference for for a team? Yeah, I think he's good enough offensively. I don't think he's going to have 22 a game, but I could see him having 12 a game or something like that, and Maryland could definitely use that. I mean, you just look at losing Jalen Smith, how much of a contributor he was last year, and then you have guards like Aaron Wiggins and Eric Ayala, Daryl Marcel, who are really going to have to put the team on their back this season. They need someone down low to put up any kind of production, and I think he at the four spot could make that happen enough. I don't think he'll be a star, but I think he'll be a starter for Maryland this season. I also for Maryland, I, I don't know how you guys feel or if you if you watched him play. I love Dante Smith. I think he's due for a breakout at some point. But um, the other thing is Illinois is is kind of intriguing to me on this list because Io is back. Um, they're waiting on Kofi Coburn's return. Um, you know, Io's not confirmed back though, is he? I thought he was. I may have misread it. I thought he was back. But if, if I think he'll be back, but okay. I don't think it's been confirmed. Okay, so if Io comes back, Kofi comes back. You know they don't have Alan Griffin, who is obviously transferred to Syracuse. But Stanley kind of kind of fits into that big lineup, that kind of get out and run, um, athletic up and down. 
that kind of play, I think, could benefit him in, in kind of Underwood's style. What do you think of that? Yeah, I like that. But the thing with that is I don't think he'll get a waiver if he transfers to Illinois. That's I think he might fit better with Illinois. But the only reason he would choose Maryland, I, in my opinion, I mean, they need help. and But they're probably they're not the best team on that list. But I think he will get a waiver if he goes there. And you look at Booth Gotch, who transferred to Minnesota. Mm-hmm. He said that he thought Maryland was a better fit but he knew he would probably get a waiver going back home to Minnesota, so he decided to go there. So I really think that he'll end up going to Maryland whether he thinks it's the best fit or not. So it's interesting to me is the you know through this whole um, the George Floyd situation and what we've been seeing with the protests and, and, and the, new, the new civil rights movement, let's call it that for just the sake of conversation, you know, the historically black colleges and universities gained some momentum with the uh, the commitment of Maker Maker uh, a couple weeks ago, and then probably the biggest name from the MIAC and um, and the SWAC in Ben Stanley, probably the, the the best player from either of those two conferences, is all of a sudden looking to leave those conferences. What do you have an opinion on that? Do you think that this is counterproductive as far as the HBCUs progressing into getting better in the basketball, getting better recruits, you know, gaining momentum in that particular aspect of the game? Yeah, definitely. Like, I'd like to see the HBCUs become a force. I think it'd be awesome, uh, but I just don't think it'll happen. I mean, you look at R.J. Cole, who transferred off to UConn after last season, or two seasons ago. You look at some other guys who have transferred. Jermaine Merrow, who went to Hampton, entered the portal, but came back last year. And now Ben Stanley, in the midst of all that's happening in the world, decided to leave. I mean, it was a shocking move, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. But I also don't think Hampton was going to be good with or without him. So maybe he's thinking more of what can I do for my future, mm-hmm. which I think a lot of these guys, there's not a ton of resources at HBCU schools compared to other schools. There's That's just how it is, unfortunately. And while I think uh, McCurr Maker going to Howard is really cool and all that, I just don't see guys like Mikey Williams doing that. Like he's talking about it now, but he's also only 15 years old, I think. Yeah. He can change his mind in three years. That, well, he changes his mind in three minutes. Um, yeah, definitely. Uh, Chimp, anything to add? Uh, not really. Um, I don't know. I, I kind I, I kind of agree with John on this one that I, I just can't see the dynamic changing a right. whole lot. Uh, you know, these, these big schools, the resources, the way you traveled. Uh, just that all the perks that go along with playing big time division one basketball, I tell you what, man, it's, it's, it's hard for kids to pass up. And so I I think things are probably, you know, probably just going to kind of stay the same in my opinion. Yeah. I think the way that this is going to work out, I think most likely in the future is if you're some kind of legacy, if, you know, if you're. You know, if your dad or your mom or or both came from HBCUs and you've been brought up to love that school and and you happen to be, you know, a four-star, five-star player, then there is, you know, possibility there. But I agree that, you know, charter flights and great hotels and going to Maui, you know, you don't see Hampton going out to the Maui Invitational. You don't see Hampton going to the Bahamas very often. So, you know, it's it's exposure. and, And let's be honest. It, it, television exposure, when's the last time you saw any HBCUs uh, playing league games on ESPN or on Fox on, on Saturday afternoon? The answer is very few and far between unless they're playing a bye game. And mm-hmm. I, I just I agree with both of you guys. I think it's 
it's I, I don't want to say it is a fad because I think it would be a good trend for those colleges to especially when you see teams leaving those those conferences because of the financial situations involved it would be great for those teams to get good players and get on TV get that exposure get that money get those buy games I think that would be great but I think after you know this eventually dies down which it's going to die down all you know it'll this will fade to the background a little bit hopefully we make some progress in the meantime but I think you'll see it normalize again as far as big-time prospects going to big-time schools. You know, listen, do you want to play in the Dean Dome? Do you want to play in Rupp? Do you want to play in, in, in the big-time arenas in the Pac-12 and different things like that? Or I mean, if you look at the facilities of some of these schools, uh, the, the disparity is so wide. Mm-hmm. And as you mentioned, Coach, the, the the television exposure, along with everything else, the venues, the fans, and, and everything that goes along with it just makes it really, really difficult. Mm-hmm. I, and, I mean, yeah. Ben Stanley is a good example of that. Ben Stanley averaged 22 points and 7 rebounds last year, and casual fans have never heard his fucking name before. Guaranteed. Oh, no, not at all. Um, I want to... Quickly, I guess, kind of gloss over an ESPN story that came out either yesterday or today about certain coaches having taken pay cuts uh, during the coronavirus pandemic. And for some reason, this seems like clickbait to me. It seems like you're trying to call out guys that shouldn't be called out, in my opinion. Now, there are some... What makes this story interesting to me is a a few numbers that are... Kind of out there. The fact that Mick Cronin makes more than both Jay Wright and Bill Self is insane to me. But it's all about when you sign your contract, I guess. Um, you know, I also I'm I'm a little bit hesitant to give guys too much credit who make five million dollars a year and decide to take a ten percent pay cut over the next six months. I mean, to me that's that's cool, but I mean let's that's nothing. You're not saving the fucking day, I guess. Um, any opinion on that, Sean? Um, I mean, I, I agree with what you said. I don't really think it, like, is that important. It just seems like they need to sort it right. So they're like, hey, here's some, uh, you know, program-friendly guys, I guess, and here's some guys who are all about themselves, even though that's probably not how most of the readers felt. Mm-hmm. But I feel like that might have been what they were implying. But you're right on the point. I, you know, guys who make $5 million taking a small pay cut, that's like Patrick Mahomes today. It was uh, announced that, he told Chris Jones, who was uh, the defensive tackle for the Chiefs who just signed an extension, mm-hmm. that he uh, left some money for him on the table after signing a $500 million contract. <laughs> so, you know, he did lose him some money. He left a little cap space, I guess, but he got $500 million in the process. So I don't really think it matters that much. It, Chimp, I don't want to be too crass here. I think, you know, five hundred grand, say, for a, a $5 million coach taking a 10% pay cut, that's a big deal. That probably keeps you know, hockey and volleyball and track and field and stuff like that as viable businesses. But, and we certainly don't want to see any situations like we're seeing at UConn where they're having to cut programs. But do you think this is as big a deal as ESPN's kind of making it out to be? Uh, well, I, I didn't read the story. Um, <laughs> but I'll say this. My thought is, First of all, what are basketball coaches doing making $5 million a year anyway? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I Listen, I understand the capitalist system, and I understand all that. 
But the fact that uh, a, a college basketball coach makes $5 million a year, it, it'll always be absurd to me. John Calipari uh, makes $8.2 million a year. And listen, John Calipari is a good coach, and I'm sure he's a fine gentleman. But eight point two million dollars is uh, is a little bit ridiculous, and and when you I'm putting it in the context of teachers and doctors and nurses and and uh, you know just regular people that are out there that are essential to our way of life, and you have these college basketball coaches talking about taking a pay cut. That is ten times what your average American even makes in a year. Right. So, listen, the whole thing is insane to me. And part of the problem here is is college sports, in my opinion, it has just become too big of a business. And I, I just it's it's and I, it's sad to say this, but it's gotten too big. The TV money, the tournament money, all of those things have made it too important in my opinion. And listen, I'm a fan just like you guys, and I understand, and I understand capitalism and all that stuff. But the fact is, when you have a basketball coach making $8.2 million a year, and the person that is educating your child is making $45,000 a year, we have a problem. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I want to I want to move on to the intent of today's show, and that's that's to kind of recognize Sean's work and uh, you know have, a, have a, a conversation about something that he released that you know, affects or has it comments on the ACC, which is what we're all here for. This is why people tune in for the show. So, back in what was it? Uh, late June, June 29th. June, yeah, yeah. June 29th. Um, Sean released uh, top 25 ACC players for the, f- the coming season on makingthemadness.com, which is Jonathan Warner's website. You guys all know J Dub, he's been on this podcast three, four times. Um, so, I I had a couple questions. I guess one thing that you and I have talked about offline, Sean, is one thing that I don't do and will probably never do is, and I, I've yet to release my rankings yet of the 25 returning players, I release my most interesting incoming freshmen in a separate list because it's difficult to evaluate talent in YouTube videos because everybody shoots 100% and I don't go to AAU mm-hmm. camps or anything like that. So what you've done in yours is you've actually rec- uh ranked the incoming freshmen along with the returning players that we've all been able to see for the last couple of years. What makes you confident in the ability to evaluate their talents to incorporate them with the guys that have played in the ACC in the past? Well, I get your point. Definitely. I've watched a decent amount. Obviously I don't, I don't go to AAU camps or anything either. I'm not at that level or probably never will be, but, uh, but, uh, and then I read some stuff from some of the top talent evaluators, and then I see if I see it in my point of view. And sometimes I'm wrong because I'm not the best talent evaluator, but I do get a good sense. And then I look at stats, even though most of them are going to be, you know, pretty inflated because they're playing against guys who are five six like me, maybe. And then you uh, get get to see that kind of stuff, and you look at kind of you know their strength. You can kind of see based on some of their stats their strengths and weaknesses, though. Mm-hmm. Like if they shot twenty nine percent from three, but shot a million threes, obviously they need to work on shooting and that kind of stuff. But I feel like, in my point of view, like being like if I were to do this two years ago, and obviously R J Barrett would have been ranked higher than Zion at the time. I feel like everybody would have had that. But I feel like they both would have been in the top ten 
And obviously, they both ended up being two of the best players in college basketball, Zion being the best. So I feel like you got to include those guys, but I get why you wouldn't. All right, so let's let's take the time real quick to just – we're just going to go down through the list, and I, I have some questions. Uh, number one spot, you have Jay Huff, uh, Virginia Center. Number mm-hmm. two, Garrison Brooks at North Carolina. Number three, my boy, Mike DeVoe at Georgia Tech. Uh, David Johnson, Louisville point guard at number four. Scotty Barnes, an incoming five-star freshman at Florida State at number five. So, uh, you know, uh, you, you mentioned in the article that Jay Huff may be a little bit controversial. I don't think that's, that's too hot of a take, I think, talent-wise – He's one of the most talented guys. I've had him on every preseason list you can imagine for the last mm-hmm. what seems like five years. Um, and, you know, I, I do think he's supremely talented. Obviously, the pace at which Virginia plays kind of limits his ability to to put points and stats on the board. But he did have, what, a triple-double, I believe, last year at one point at Duke. So, I mean, he, he's going to put stats up. I, 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 don't have a hu- I don't have a big problem with that. I think that... I would have put Brooks in the number one spot just because 17 and nine last year, it's hard not to do. Um, my question is with David Johnson. You have, you know, six, what, six points, three assists. He played very well, especially his game at Duke when Louisville beat the Blue Devils uh, in Durham. You know, Duke ahead of Kihei Clark is something. I can't wrap my head around. I think when it's all said and done, they're both graduated and gone. You'll probably remember David Johnson as being a better player than Kihei Clark. But I think Kia Clark is possibly the second best player on a top five team in the nation. So how do you justify having Johnson over Clark? Well, I think that Louisville, and I know we talked about this, you wanted me to bring this up, but I don't have it ranked this way, but I think they could end the season being the second best team in the ACC, and I would not be surprised. Mm -hmm. But we can get into that in a minute if you'd like. But David Johnson is a very good athlete. He's a really good defender doesn't get beat a lot defensively he's a pretty good passer but i think his six points a game last year well they had jordan wara they had ryan mcmahon they had darius perry and lamar kimball stealing some minutes from him at the point guard spot and i think he only averaged like 18 minutes a game by the end of the season i think he'll be playing 30 plus this season and can average 15 and five or six assists and a few rebounds a game and I think he could lead them to being very good this season. Shooting's an issue for him. He is a terrible shooter right now. And, like, is he just, I don't know if it'll get better. It doesn't look good. And watching him shoot free throws is one of the most painful experiences of my life, probably. <laughs> Not very good. So uh, hopefully he can, you know, make that better. But I think even if he doesn't, he can be a really good player on a team that I think will be really good this year. But isn't Kihei Clark already that player? I think Kihei Clark's a good player. Like, don't get me wrong here. I think he's a talented guy, but he last year I saw a lot of concerns when they were losing some games early to middle of the season. He was being really careless with the ball at times. I think he had a game with seven or so turnovers. Mm-hmm. I don't remember what game it was, but I remember watching it and just like, he's being really careless. That's not the Virginia specialty. You don't want to turn the ball over at how much they drain the clock. And, He's not a great scorer. He's a good shooter at times, but he runs an offense pretty well. He's a he's a solid defender, but it just a lot of concerns with me. Like David Johnson, if you put David Johnson, Kihei Clark one on one, I think Johnson beats him nine out of ten times. I think that's a concern for Clark. Well, Johnson's also frame. a foot taller than he is. Yeah, that's part of my concern with him <laughs> that he's going to get beat by guys like this, and it's going to hurt them defensively. So, you know, it's kind of, he was a tough player to rank because 
while I think he is good, his height, like, you know, I'd like to be his height. I think he's like 5'8", you know, I'd, I'd like that. But uh, at the same time, it's just kind of like he's careless with the ball at times. He can get beat defensively, and he's not a consistent enough scorer in my eyes. I just think that he's, I mean, he. I think he's the guy that David Johnson wants to be. Um, and, and, and you say, you know, the, the turnovers early in the season, I see that, I get that, I, I saw that as well. But as the season progressed, Kia Clark got better, and Virginia became one of the favorites going into the season, into the into the tournament. And now they're one of the favorites going into the preseason, which they also were last year. But people don't know their ass from their elbow. I try to tell people all preseason last year, Virginia is not that good right now, and we saw mm-hmm. that early. But then they they did turn it around. Kia Clark became that player. He actually became a player last year that I didn't think he would become. I was. I thought Kia Clark had his ceiling was about half of what he showed us last year. So he made me a believer last year. Um, whether or not he continues to be that player, I don't know. But I think that right now, starting in the 2020-21 season, I would rather have Clark as my point guard than I would David Johnson. Um, Chimp, any opinion on this or breaking the breaking the tie here? Um, my opinion would be this. I think that. The only way right now that you can have David Johnson ahead of Kihei Clark would be if you believe that Kihei Clark has hit his ceiling, yeah. that he mm-hmm. is what he that he is what he is, and he's going to be that player for the remainder of his career. And you think that, and you look at an athlete like David Johnson and say, "Man, this kid has so much upside. Yep. He's big, he's strong." If he can get to where he can shoot the ball even decently, he probably, you, you could, I guess, argue that he has a lot more upside than a Kihei Clark does. Mm-hmm. But right now, in my opinion, I would say, you know, uh, if you guys are pinning me down here, I would say <laughs> right now, Kihei Clark is the better basketball player right now. I thought, I think you proved that, like you said, the last half of last season. But. On the other side of that, I think if you look at it from the standpoint of okay, what can David Johnson become? Mm-hmm. Then you then you have an argument there. Yeah, I think if that's the intent, then I would agree 100. percent Like I said, I think at the end of the day, when both are gone playing professionally somewhere, you know, if someone asks you who was better during their college career, David Johnson or Kia Clark, I think we're going to get to the point where David Johnson is remembered as being a better player. See, yeah, and, I, I agree. And Sean, and, Sean, if you and I played one on one, I would probably beat you nine out of ten times. <laughs> but how tall are you? Can you shoot? I mean, I got a pretty mean jumper. I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm six one, and and uh, yeah, I can shoot a little bit. <laughs> All right, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, oh, <laughs> uh, we're gonna we're gonna have to uh, yeah, we're gonna have to put that on Periscope or something and get that. <laughs> um, <laughs> moving on to the the second five. Um, and this is, again, you're going to have to explain this to me. Caleb Love at six, still ahead of Kia Clark. Wendell Moore uh-huh. at seven is, uh-huh. you must think that he has high upside. We're going to get to that in a second. Uh, Stephen Mitchell at Boston College I thought was an interesting pick. The, maybe the best glue guy, not just the ACC, but the entire country. Jalen Johnson, uh-huh. um, four, uh, uh, kind of a 3-4 hybrid at the wing uh, for Duke. Incoming freshman, five-star, really good player. Um, I, I don't have a problem with that because I think he is so good. But again, I haven't seen him play, so I don't really know. Or haven't seen him play in an actual game, so I don't really know. And then uh, Virginia transfer uh, uh, Sam Hauser from Marquette, who I think, 
Like, I agree with that. I, I think that Hauser's going to have a huge impact in Charlottesville. I, again, Caleb Love, incoming freshman, we haven't seen him play. This kind of goes to my point of not ranking freshmen um, among their counterparts who have been playing in the ACC. Right now, again, Kia Clark, I would take Clark ahead of Caleb Love to start the season. But what do you see in Wendell Moore at Duke that makes you rank him so high in the ACC right now? Yeah, I mean, Wendell Moore last year to me, he's a really good athlete. I think he's 6'5", but he plays a lot bigger. He has like a 7-foot wingspan, I mm-hmm. think. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's just, you know, he's a really good wing. can, you know, maybe play some three. He's not a shooter, and he was hurt a bit last year. But he's a really good defender, and I just think that his scoring will come along. He showed flashes last season. He had 25 in that loss to Wake Forest uh, in overtime last season, and he had a couple other pretty good games. He wasn't consistent and was hurt, but I think this season he could possibly be their best player at Duke. You know, you have Jalen Johnson coming in. You have uh, Jeremy Roach. You have Matthew Hurt. You have Mark Williams. You just have some other guys. But I don't think they have the guy right now. I think that Johnson could be that. But I think Moore will have a really big impact and take a jump, kind of like Trey Jones did nationally this season. Obviously, he had a good freshman season. but was kind of overshadowed by Zion and R.J. Barrett and all that. Mm. I think Wendell Moore can take that kind of jump this season. Um, I don't necessarily disagree. Actually, I, I, I approve of the balls it takes to rank Stephen Mitchell at number eight. I think he is just... Uh, he, he he's not fancy. You're not going to see any games where he mm-hmm. drills six threes or see him on you know some human highlight reel on on Sunday morning. But I mean, you have his stats here: eight points a game, nine rebounds a game, three assists, two steals, and a block. He's an incredible player. I love that ranking. Um, I, I guess I know we talked about more after seeing Hauser at Marquette. What? Why is it just the style of play at Virginia you think that's going to limit Hauser, or why wouldn't you have Hauser ahead of more? I think in you know both Hauser brothers, mm-hmm. well, I think Joey's the better player Absolutely. who went who's at yeah. Michigan State now by like a lot. Mm-hmm. I think Sam Hauser might be the most overrated transfer, not named Matt Harms in the country mm-hmm. in the last couple seasons, just because I think Sam I think Hauser is a good player. He's a good shooter, but he's kind of limited scoring wise. You know, he's not a great defender, but he's kind of the you know. He's an adequate enough defender, but he's a really good shooter. So that's you know kind of tough. I think going to Virginia might bring the best out of him a little bit in a way where they need a guy who can knock down a three consistently. He had Wool to ten side do that you know a little bit at the end of the season, yep. and then Clark at times. But then like you know losing Diakite, Huff can hit a couple threes. But I think that just overall talent wise, I don't think Hauser will do enough to be higher than I have him at ten. I think 10's a pretty fair ranking. You know, I saw no disrespect to John Rostin here. We disagree a lot. It appears that he has no idea who I am and probably never will. But, you know, he said that he thinks that Sam Hauser is going to be the ACC player of the year. And I think (laughs) that might be the most ridiculous thing I've I've ever heard in my life. You know, it's up there. So, uh, you know. Yeah. I I, I think, yeah. No, I mean, you can can offend John Rostin all you want on the show because I probably agree. Go ahead, Jim. I I, I have a... uh, Alert, hot take coming up. Y'all ready? <laughs> yeah, I'm born ready. Hot take from Chimp. Uh, you, you get a pen, Sean. You might want to write this one down. It's really good. <laughs> oh, yeah? Listen, Casey Morsell is going oh, to God. have a big, big year this year for Virginia. Write it down. Okay, they can't all what have... What is he in the 29%? 
<laughs> Excuse <All right>. me? <laughs> they can't all the all the Virginia players can't have big seasons. I think Kia Clark, I think Jay Hop's going to have a monster let, season, but <clears throat> Listen, I'm just telling you guys that's my, I'm not going to make any more ACC predictions or hot takes or anything, but I'm telling you right now, Casey Morsell's going to have a very good year for Virginia. I mean, he's on my breakout list for the season for sure. I think, you know, you're talking about a top 60 kid who was born to play at Virginia. So, yes, I you know, I have him very high on Morsell as well this year, but um, I'd if, like to see if, his if, efficiency numbers come up, but I'm not sure if he's going to put up huge numbers. If, if there is one thing, well, actually two things that I know about, one is shooting. Yep. Now I'm not. I won't sit here and argue uh, all this other stuff you smart guys know and the rankings and everything. But uh, the, the the shooting part of it, uh, I, I feel good about, it, and I like Morcel a lot. He, he's got a pretty jumper. He really does. I mean, yeah, he, he did yeah, everything right happened. except except have it go in last year. So. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I think I think he'll shoot over seventeen percent from three this season, but I don't know that he'll be a super huge contributor. But we'll see. I, I think at the very least he'll be a better contributor on the defensive end. Um, mm. And you know, I I, I think Wool the Tensai is going to be the guy that that, that uh-huh. really emerges on the wing for Virginia this year. Definitely. Uh, um, let's see where are we at third third ta- uh, third five tier. Amir Sims, Clemson at eleven. Sure, I can get behind that. I'm actually higher on Clemson this year than I think I probably should be. My boy Kia Clark finally shows up at number 12. 11 points, 4 boards, 6 assists, and a steal per game. Love that productivity. Uh, 13 is Armando Baycott. 14 is Carly Jones. I really like that pick. Number 15 is Joe Girard, the third from Syracuse. I, I don't really have a problem with any of these guys. Um, where where I start to, I start to, to kind of question a little bit is... You know, I'm not, I don't want to beat a dead horse here, but I don't know how you can have any of these five guys behind Wendell Moore. I, I, I just, I, I cannot get behind that. Um, I, I think Jones obviously isn't going to score 20 points per game, but I think he's going to be very good for Louisville. Um, one thing I would be interested in is, what do you expect from Armando Baycott at Carolina this year? Because I'm kind of torn on whether or not I think he's super talented and ready to break out, or if he's kind of one-dimensional. Yeah. I think he is very talented, but, like, he, I mean, in a sense, he's one-dimensional if he can't step out at all. Mm-hmm. Him and Garrison Brooks are really similar. Mm-hmm. And then you have guys like Walker Kessler and uh, Dayron Sharp coming in. Yep. They have so many big men. It's unbelievable. I don't know why Roy Williams has so many. But I don't think Kessler's going to play ex- that much. No, I don't, I don't think the freshman will play all that much. I don't think he expected Baycott and Brooks to stay. I think that's part of it. And then you look at... He's talked about maybe putting Brooks on the wing, and I think that might be the worst idea I've ever heard in my life. Thank that you won't for work. Thank you. I mean, that's just the dumbest thing I've ever heard. For such a legendary coach, I can't believe he said that something so stupid like that. I mean, that just would never work. Carolina but fans like, immediately I, got behind him. Carolina, I argued yeah, with yeah, Carolina yeah. fans on Twitter about, no, no, he can do that. Said, no, he can't. He absolutely cannot do that. But anyway. Yeah, if they think that they've never seen him play. I mean, yeah. <laughs> but, but Baycott, like, you know, he was up and down last year. I'd like to see his field goal percentage get better. 46% for a big who can't shoot isn't that good. But he also showed flashes at times. You know, he had 23 against Oregon and was really good. He had 22 against Elon. Yep. I mean, it's Elon, but that was a good good game for him. And then he had a couple 15s, another 20. Like, he was really up and down. That's kind of just how North Carolina was as a whole last season. 
but they had limited guard, uh, guard production last season. So many injuries, and I think this season they'll be a top-four team in the ACC probably. I think Caleb Love will play a big role in uh, that. So I guess we'll just have to see if the other guys around the big guys and Caleb Love can do it. Like if Andrew Playtech could maybe add something. Puff Johnson I'm kind of big on. I think that he'll have a pretty big season. He could start immediately. What, what is with all the Andrew Playtech hate in the world? I, I Playtech was fine last year for what he is as a player. I, I feel like I'm the only guy in the in the country that recognized that Playtech was actually a pretty decent player last year, I think. I want to think that as I'm looking it up. And I'm probably gonna uh, he played he played too much probably ah, and he 20, shot 22 percent yeah, from three and was 20, terrible 23 so, yeah 23 percent from three so yeah never mind everything I just said just just let that go all right yeah and it, and it, hold on and in the Duke game <laughs> he missed like four key free throws down the stretch so I think that adds to it okay I'm already dead you don't have to have, keep shooting me I have a question for both of you guys about Baycott mm-hmm. um, when I watched him play last year he looks like a guy that has flashes that could be very good. The one thing mm-hmm. I would would be concerned about with him is his body. He, he looks mm-hmm. out of shape. He looks out of shape to me. Uh, and if his body improves, I, I think the kid can be a player. What do you guys think? Go ahead, Sean. Hundred percent. No, I think hundred percent. I think that you know he probably could add some muscle, maybe slim down a little bit. But I think that's just part of getting to college. I mean, yep. with the uh, you get you know, more access to weight rooms and gyms and, you know, he wasn't McDonald's All-American, but you don't, yeah, you don't have nutritionists and all that kind of stuff while you're in high school and AAU and all that. At North Carolina, you're getting top tier everything. So I think that he'll, you know, this season is probably the best season to slim down. So I think he's going to take advantage of that and come in looking really good and he's going to have a pretty good season, I feel like, this year. Yeah, I think... um... Uh, you know, I, I agree with 100% with what Sean said. The other thing is we've seen Carolina uh, do well with these big guys. Like, I mean, Kennedy Meeks was never a guy that was you were blown away by his body. Like, you know, Isaiah Hicks was never a guy you were completely blown away by his body. I think this this Carolina front court really reminds me of the year. Uh, I don't want to misquote this, but I think they had Bryce Johnson, Kennedy Meeks, and Isaiah Hicks mm-hmm. all in one year. Yeah. And I think, you know, Baycott, Sharp... And Brooks is very similar to that. Obviously, Bryce Johnson was way better than than Baycott is going to be this year. I think that in that particular season, but I, I think that that's that's very similar. Uh, I think Kessler is a little bit thin. He's, you know, I had him my my, uh, my freshman to watch, but he's he's kind of a unicorn. I think he's a multi year guy, even though he is a five star guy with ball skills. But um, I, I think he'll be a player for them down the road. But I think that Sharp. Brooks and Baycott are going to be a, a formidable three three headed lineup uh, for them in the front court for sure. Yeah, and do you think I just thought of this? I don't think it'll happen, but maybe they redshirt Kessler this season. If there's a limited just conference only season, he's not going to be a one and done guy. I feel like nope. maybe redshirt him. You'll probably lose Baycott or Brooks after the season. That's that's interesting, and that's ballsy with a five star kid. I mean, Brian Butch did it at Wisconsin, but. You don't see that very often. I mean, yeah, but he could have decom. I don't know why he's still going to North Carolina because he's not going to get that much playing time, and he's probably going to end up transferring or something after the year. So he sh- should have gone to Auburn. <laughs> should have went anywhere else. <laughs> should have gone to Notre Dame. Um, uh, okay, uh, fourth uh, group of five. 
Mark Williams, Duke Center. We're going to talk about that in a second, I guarantee you. Um, Jose Alvarado, Georgia Tech. Devin Williams at 18, I love. I love Devin Williams. I think he is one of the biggest breakout. I didn't have him on my breakout list this year because he's already a good player, but I think that he really makes a name for himself this year. Chris likes at 19. You can't argue with that. Great production on the scoring. And then uh, Davian Williamson of Wake Forest, a transfer from ETSU, who I agree should receive a waiver this year. Steve Forbes was the former coach at ETSU, now the coach at Wake Forest. Williamson followed him to Winston-Salem. Okay, Mark Williams. I, I, I like him as a player. I think he's skinny. I think he's going to be a block machine. I don't think he's going to offer much on the offensive end as far as ball skills, post-up, or anything like that. Um, outside of offensive rebound and putbacks, or maybe some alley-oops, he's fine. I'm going to give away one of the observations of this list right now is why in the world is Mark Williams on this list and Moses Wright is not? You know, I Moses Wright was probably, you know, 26. I was going to do a 26 player and for God, just in case Williamson doesn't get a waiver. Mm-hmm. But I think Mark Williams, just from a standpoint, if he's going to have the opportunity to play a lot, he's going to start from day one. He's going to play a lot. They do down low, I feel like it's something that could be a concern that's not being talked about enough. Yep. I mean, Patrick Tepe was fine at Columbia, but like he wasn't great there. He you know, did the job at Columbia, but he's right. probably not more than a 15-minute-per-game guy at Duke. I think Mark Williams, even if he is just can't you know score outside of like 10 feet, he'll block two to three shots a game. He'll get maybe eight, nine, ten rebounds and can maybe score 10 to 12 on a really good team. And I think that, you know, when you look at the end of the season, just how much a player contributed to their team's success, I think Duke will be overall better than Virginia Tech, even though I'm pretty high on Virginia Tech or Georgia Tech. Uh, I think Duke is better in Georgia Tech. And I think that Williams will play a bigger role to Duke's success than Wright will play to Georgia Tech success. Oh, you had me up until the end, man. You, <laughs> I, you know, Mo, I mean, Moses Wright's a guy who averaged thirteen and seven last year in in the ACC. Yeah, he was I mean, close. I mean, but I, I think I, I guess a question I have is, I, I like I said, I don't, I don't. Williams doesn't have like traditional ball skill. Like you've seen Duke excel when they have guys like Bagley, Boozer, Brand, um, mm-hmm. guys that they can dump it into on the block. Sheldon Williams is another one. Um, Guys that they can dump it into that can go one on one and bang and score. I don't think Williams is that kind of player. Do you think mm-hmm. it's possible for them to try to put Breakfield on the post on the block? I mean, maybe it'll it'll be interesting how Coach K. You know, I don't think you know this is probably a hot take, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't put Coach K as like a top ten current coach in college basketball. And yeah, I feel like most people still haven't won like overall achievements. He's won, I would say, probably, but. You know, just he's the right face now, of college basketball, but he's not yeah, a top ten I, basketball coach. I don't think currently he is. No, I think he's fallen off a bit coaching wise. You know, he just makes some interesting decisions at times. I think that they could put Brayfield at the five, and you know, maybe Matthew Hurd at the five. I doubt that works, but you know, experiment maybe. But because uh, he's tall, but I think <laughs> that Williams will just play enough and get enough rebounds and just be, you know, good enough to be where I have him on this list. Obviously, maybe 16 was a little too high just looking at it now, but I feel like he'll just be a really good defender. He'll score enough to be, you know, warrant his spot on that list. And I feel like Vernon Carey Jr., they're different players, and you know, scoring-wise, mm. but I don't think people would have had Carey all that high. Where Like, he was a first-team uh, All-ACC player, I believe, right? Yeah, oh, yeah. 
I, I don't think that many people would have had him right there last season. I could be wrong, but I don't feel like that many had him being first team all ACC. Chimp, uh, your opinion on the Coach K being the best coach in the country possibility? Uh, at one time in history, he was probably the best coach in the country. But <laughs> I think he's outside the top ten, though. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and I certainly agree with that. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, listen, the guy's getting older. He's had a great career. But right now, I, I agree with Sean. I don't really even think it's close. No, I think right now he's just kind of roll. He's recruiting the best guys he can get and just kind of rolling the ball out at this point. Right, and, and you know that is that is a real turn from you know the way he used to be. Um, you know, for a while there, he wasn't going after a lot of five star kids, and um, you know he put a decent lineup together and uh, you know things like that. But yeah, I'm with you, coach. He just goes out and tries to recruit the best guys he can find, and 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 just lets them play. And let me make a point on this Mark Williams thing versus Moses Wright, if I if I may. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Moses, Moses Wright is, is the big kid at Georgia Tech, correct? Correct. Now, I watched him play last year some, and the problem I have with this is when you have a kid coming in, and this Mark Williams is an incoming freshman, correct? Yep. Yep. I, I just think there's so many unknowns, even though the kid is seven foot one, Moses Wright is a known commodity. Yep. And I just heard you talk about his numbers from last year. And, Sean, listen, I'm not trying to, to, to pick a fight here or anything, but that would so be good. an argument that, that I would have. Is that you look at a guy like Moses Wright, and then you look at Mark Williams, and Mark Williams, he may be great, and you may be right, but I think in terms of putting this list together, uh, I, could, I would much rather see Moses Wright's name at 16 than Mark Williams. Yeah, I get that 100%. I mean, I guess that's where it comes into do you want to include freshmen or not, and it's kind of an unknown mm-hmm. with what they're going to produce. But I just think that overall, Williams will play enough. You know, he's going to play so much, I feel like, that on a pretty good team that he's going to be, you know, close to that by the end of the season. Well, the great thing about this is hopefully we're going to get to watch it all play out. Yes, hopefully. Jesus, I'm dying. I'm dying over here. Yeah, Um the other thing I want to talk about is I, I do like Davian Williamson from ETSU. I, I think he's a really good player. Mm-hmm. I can't help but notice, and <laughs> you know, it, it's coming up. I mean, it's there's not a you don't have a stark difference between the two of them. We're talking about a kid in the SoCo that averaged you know ten points, two boards, and nearly three assists per game. Why you have Xavier Johnson at twenty one? Xavier Johnson, pit guard, who did regress last year, but again, as as the chimp kind of alluded to is more of a known commodity. What do you see in Williamson that you like him more than Xavier Johnson at 21? Well, I'll get into what I don't like about Xavier Johnson first. Turnover, I, uh, stupid plays, you know, stupid shots. That, I mean, he just was bad last season. Yep. I don't know what happened. I thought he could have been an all ACC guy and he was not good. So I just don't know if that was, you know, just a one season struggle or if he's actually, if his freshman season was just, you know, there wasn't going up from there, if he already hit his peak. Mm -hmm. But with David Williamson, he's super fast. He's a pretty good shooter. He's super efficient. That's what I like out of a guy like him. You know, he's going to be, assuming he gets a waiver, he's probably going to play a lot for that Wake Forest team. You know, you have Isaiah Musius. You have uh, Ismael Masood, who I think could be really good. He's a really good shooter. Mm-hmm. who, uh, you know, showed it a little bit last season. But I think that Williamson playing the one 
could average, you know, 12 to 15 and four to five assists this season because Bo Hodges at ETSU was had the ball in his hands a lot too. So if the ball is, you know, mainly 90% of the time while he's on the floor and Williamson's hand is to run a set, I think he could definitely be here if not higher. Okay, the only thing I have, the only question I have about that is, what about Jacoby Neath? Yeah, I mean, I just think that Williamson's a better overall player. Well, I, so I, I no, think I think he's that, a better overall player, but I think isn't Williamson more likely to play the two and Neath the one than the than the than vice versa? Because I think Neath is going to play a lot. I know. I think Neath will play a good amount, but I just. You know, maybe they bring one of them off the bench. I think Williamson starts and plays the one mostly. But if that is incorrect, based on what we see when the season starts, my list will probably be wrong, and that part would have to be adjusted. But yeah, Williamson, you think Williamson could play the two? I think he can. You know, I think I'm not really necessarily disagreeing with the ranking. I like Williamson. I really do, and I like the way that Forbes um, handles his guards. So I'm not necessarily bagging on that. But I think Neath is going to require minutes and i think williamson is obviously going to play because he just followed his coach you know over to, to winston-salem so i'm just interested in what your thoughts are on like maybe a neath williamson dual point guard type situation yeah we could see that i think neath will get a good amount of minutes you know at 18 a game last season he'll probably get in the 20s this year i think williamson could have in the 30s you know but i just think they could play together a little bit but the thing with Williamson, he could maybe play the two. He's 165 pounds, so he could right. be a liability a bit defensively. <laughs> That's a good point. So, <laughs> you know, Mike. I don't know what Mike Devoe is, but he's got to be. He's got to be 205, probably. I would imagine he's up there. Um, the same thing yeah. with the next guy. So Xavier Johnson at 21, at 22, Samuel Williamson, uh, 23, Matthew Hurt, 24, DJ Funderburk, who I think is still kind of hanging out there. We're still waiting on him to actually make a decision. And then 25, mm-hmm. my boy Jalen Cohn, Virginia Tech sophomore guard, possibly the best shooter in the ACC. Um, I have I have Samuel Williamson on my breakout list. Uh, my confidence in that pick was not high. I think he was either number five or number six. Former five-star guy, McDonald's All-American, Burger Boy. You know, you have in your notes that he's going to replace Jordan War in the lineup this season. I, I agree with that. But do you think he can come anywhere near the production that, that Wara provided in his years in Louisville? This season, do I think Williamson can... What did Wara have last season? Well, so, say, well say, say Wara's sophomore season, which was, I think, 14 a game, something like that. I think he could get around that, definitely. I wouldn't be surprised to see that at all. I mean, just... Williamson Ooh, is just... He got 17 a game as a sophomore. <clears throat> 17? I don't think he gets 17. Yeah, I don't either. 14? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know, 14, I think, is a possibility. I just think when you have a guy of that kind of talent, I think he's a good, could be a good enough shooter, you know, just be, based off what I've read and seen of him in high school. He was a solid shooter, mm-hmm. not, not elite. Oh, but, he's, you know, he's I got think a beautiful th- jumper, I think. I love his yeah, jump shot. I think, I think that, you know, it just comes down to last year he didn't play enough minutes, I feel like, but they also had Dwayne Sutton and yep. Jordan Wara who were taking a lot of those minutes and they deserve them. So I think when he gets his role expanded this year, he'll be in the starting lineup. I think he'll play a big role and, you know, be worthy of that five star ranking. Chip, anything? Uh, I have nothing to add with regards to the Williamson kid at Wake. I know nothing about him, so I hope he has a great great year, and I hope he 
make Sean look like a genius by putting him on this list. Um, I appreciate the honesty because most people will just bullshit their way for 45 seconds and not and just speak in vague terms. So I appreciate the honesty. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I can bullshit about a lot of things. But I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna bullshit you about stuff, this stuff, this important, you know. Um, but it, it, as far as the uh, Samuel Williamson kid from Louisville, I don't really know much about him. I see reading the notes here, five star prospect, McDonald's All American. My thing would be on Samuel Williamson. I think I heard Sean say earlier that you have Louisville how high in the ACC? Was it second? I said I don't have it ranked this way. In my, I did my top three. I think I had them fourth, but I think okay. they could end up being second, and I wouldn't be surprised. Okay. okay, now, if you end up, or you think they're going to end up second, then Samuel Williamson is going to have to have a big year, I would think. That's right. Because they're, gonna yep. need, they're, go, they're going to need that production to replace what Jordan Ward did for them. So, you know, does Samuel Williamson get at 22? If he has a big year and you're right for putting him on this list, then... Louisville may end up second. I think, um, uh, like you know, like you said, yeah. I think Malik Williams is going to have a big year as long as he can stay healthy for Louisville as well. So, um, yeah, definitely. I guess you know, I love, I, I love the Jalen Cohn inclusion. Um, I've he is one of the most the, the players that I debate about the most, and I like that you you said in the comments for Jalen Cohn, Cartier Diara. You know, is going to get, I think, a lot of shots. Uh, I'm, I'm interested to see Diara, but he's not a very interesting player to me because he's going to. I just be, don't think he's that good. I don't either. I don't either. I think he's going to put up numbers, but be even less efficient than Landers Nolly is, okay. which leads me to, I guess, my last question as far as this list goes. We already talked about one of my question marks and Moses Wright being omitted, and it, it's fine. I, I, you know, we evaluate. I'm a Georgia Tech fan, so I, my opinion is taken yeah. with a grain of salt. My biggest question, I guess, is where's Tyrese Radford? You know, that was a tough one. I thought about it, but just I think I had him in at one point, and I, like, shuffled these lists around so much when, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes I forget a guy. Like, I think I forgot uh, Johnson from Duke at first, and I'm like, got to include him. And yeah, then, yeah, like, yeah. how did I forget him? Because there's so many players you got to look through. Yep. I just think Radford is, I like, I like him as a player. He's probably, you know, a better overall player than Cone. But this just goes to what I think Cone can be oh, and how I rank yeah. these guys on upside, where I think Cone, what did Nolly have last year, 17 a game and shot 37% from the field? Yeah. I think there's going to be a point in the season where that could be what Jalen Cone could be, but actually, you know, good and make most of those, <laughs> or at least, you know, 45% of those shots because he was a top 100 guy who reclassified. Mm-hmm. He, he's a really, really good shooter, probably one of the best in college basketball. And I just think that, you know, when Mike Young's offense, you look at what he did at Wofford, yep. in his last season there, you had Fletcher McGee, you had Storm Murphy, you had Nathan Hoover, Trevor Stump. You just had a lot of guys who can knock down threes at any point, and he likes having guys who can shoot. And I think Cone will take a lot of threes this season and make a lot of them. Now, I wasn't necessarily speaking to uh, Jalen Cone versus Tyrese Radford. I was just saying that, okay. that okay. you know Radford in general. Where where would you have placed him? You know, if you had continued to, to go down the list. And I will say, um, I will say right now before you get into it, before you get into it, I would I would rather have coming into this current season, I would rather have Tyrese Radford on my team than Wendell Moore. Whoa, all yeah. right, that's interesting. Oh, yeah, 100%. All right, yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I think Radford's a good player. I just, you know, he's 6'2". He plays a lot bigger than that. He's 
you know, but he just doesn't shoot at all, and I think that could be a concern. And having Mike Young's offense where he likes shooters, I just think that at some point in late-game situations where you need a bucket, he's not going to be in there, and, you know, if they're down, they could even take him out because they're going to need guys who can knock down threes, and he cannot do that. That's true. That is true. Yeah, if there's one glaring weakness to his game is that he cannot shoot the ball worth a damn. Um, yeah. Sean, I, I appreciate you letting us go down through the list. I'm going to turn you over to my counterpart here who's going to put you in the bonus, and then we'll let you get oh, out of here. All right, let's do it. Chip, go ahead, bud. All right, man. Good conversation, guys. I really enjoyed that. Very educational for me. <laughs> All right, uh, Sean, I'd say you are not, you are the youngest person to go through this process. I don't Probably know how old so. you are, but you're, you are I'm definitely 18. the youngest person. You're, you're 18? Okay, definitely the youngest person. All right, are you ready? Yeah. Question number one. Current college coach you would most like to play for and why? Man, this is interesting. I would say Tom Izzo because while a lot of people don't like how he kind of goes after players sometimes, I feel like that's the kind of thing, you know, when I played in like when I was 10 and I was still the shortest player on the court, (laughs) I think that that's the kind of thing I would have enjoyed having a coach get after me. And then when he went after Aaron Henry in that uh, March Madness game a couple of years ago, and people are freaking out. Aaron Henry was like, I like to be coached like that. And I feel like if I were a college player, I'd like to be coached like that too. I want to be told when I'm doing something wrong and held accountable. Good answer. Question number two. In your high school yearbook, are, are you have you graduated high school yet? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, in your high school yearbook, you were voted most likely to what? Honestly, I don't even know. I, don't, I didn't get that. I didn't get the yearbook. So, all right. Well, <laughs> what, what 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 should you have been most most likely to? Um, I don't know. Maybe funniest person. I feel like I can be funny at times. So something like that, maybe. All right. All right. Now this is a West Coast question. Uh, us East right. Coasters, we we don't know anything about this. True or false? In and Out Burger is overrated. Hundred percent. Their, their fries are terrible. <laughs> all, right, so that, all right, so so that is a, a yes. It is overrated by a lot. Yeah, people way overreact to it. It's not like their burgers are pretty good, but their fries are a disaster. Chimp, chimp, I, chimp I gotta I gotta jump in here, and I and I hate to do this to you, but we're we're Southeast guys. I would say the same thing about Chick Fil A. Agree or disagree? I, I totally agree. Uh, absolutely. I totally 100%. agree. Now, I would tell you that the, the service at Chick-fil-A is fantastic. Absolutely. The food is yes. very, very average. Right. Yeah, I'd rather have Bojangles or Popeyes. Yeah, I'm not a fan I, of Chick-fil-A I, either. So. All right, agree. All right, question number four. What is your most cherished autograph or piece of memorabilia? Any sport? Any sport. All right. Oh, that's interesting. Um I don't have to think about this one. Probably, I'm a big baseball fan, and I met a, I met Fergie Jenkins, who's a Hall of Fame pitcher, at a, a spring training game a while, like five, six years ago. He was doing autograph signings, and he was at the Cubs spring training game, so I met him. So that was pretty cool, I guess. So probably that one. Very good. Are you a Cubs fan? 
No, I was just at the game. All right, I want to jump in here again, guys. And again, I hate to do it, but I got to tell this real quick. When I was a young kid, my grandmother lived in Houston, Texas, and used to go to. They had signings, they had card shows, they have all this stuff in Houston. Of course, Houston's a huge sports town. My grandmother got Hakeem Olajuwon to sign a like a, a, the backside of a, a pocket notebook, the, the hard uh, cardboard cover of a pocket notebook, to Michael Akeem, as in when he was still signing his name with A-K-E-E-M, Olajuwon, number 34, Ooh. Houston Rockets. She sent it to me. I was probably seven, eight years old when I received it. I no longer have that. I have no idea where it is, and I lost it, and I think he's the best wow. center to ever play in the NBA. How do you lose oh, that? That's crazy. Just being young and stupid and fucking careless. That's all that was. <laughs> well, it, it, I'm going to add something to myself. I have one autograph, and it is a good one. It is Bill Murray. Nice. <laughs> nice. I saw Bill Murray at an NCAA tournament game, got his autograph. So, moving go. on, number five. Who is the bigger crybaby on the sideline, Bobby <laughs> Hurley, Bobby Hurley, or Danny Hurley? I got. I gotta go. I mean, it's, can I say a tie? Because like, <laughs> no. D- Danny Hurley's facial expressions, just with the glasses, kind of falling off his face sometimes. It's kind of funny, and it's how it worked up, you guys. But Bobby Hurley, like two minutes into a game, is already red and steaming. So, I mean, I guess I'll go Bobby <laughs> Hurley, probably. Yeah, I, I would I would agree 100%. I think Bobby Hurley ought to wear diapers during the game. It's terrible. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> Question number six. And this is, this is a pretty good one, I think. We'll see how you answer it. One of these two things has to go from the college game, the three-point line or the shot clock. Pick <sighs> one. Oh man, you know I would I would say the shot clock honestly because I think that when I unless you're Virginia and try to use the entire shot clock, I feel like most of the time unless you're getting down to you know seven or fewer seconds, you're not really paying that much attention to it. But so much of basketball right now is you know you need to be you need to have guys who can make threes and that's a big part to the game. So I'd say keep three point shot for sure. Keep the three-point shot. All right, this last one, you have gotten through these beautifully, I have to say. And this last one is a very easy question, and it's a shout-out to JW. Is Texas back? (laughs) No, they're not not back until they can get in the NCAA tournament and win a game. So, there you go. Well, you you are now in the bonus, and you did a fantastic (laughs) uh, job, and I I enjoyed talking to you, Sean. Thank you. You too, guys. Appreciate it. Sean, thanks for taking the time, man. I appreciate you joining ACCBR. Chimp, as always, fantastic to have you on. I hope you guys have a wonderful evening. You too, buddy. Thanks a lot. Thanks, guys. That was the Chimp and Sean Smock of Making the Madness, who writes for friend of the program, Jonathan Warner, at Making the Madness. You can find Sean on Twitter at... Of course, I don't have Twitter open, so just bear with me for just a quick second. That kid's 18, guys. Kid's 18, smarter than most 40-year-old fucking uh, fans that I interact with on a daily basis. That was, you know, I I didn't know Sean's age before I invited him on the show. Um, I just read his his writing because he's obviously on on J-Dub's site, so... I mean, for that kid to be 18 and to handle himself the way that he did is absolutely incredible. Absolutely earned my respect. Um, at Sean, S-E-A-N, O2 MTM for making the madness contributor. Um, just 
I mean, give him a follow. The kid does not have enough follows. And after that interview, that interview did not go the way I expected it to go. Sean obviously has a bright future in this industry. I think he will find his way to writing for some outlets very quickly. We do not agree on his ranking methods or anything like that. But the fact that he can justify them, make his opinion um, logical, is is very refreshing. The fact that he can uh, take criticism is very refreshing. And I will be having that young man on the podcast again very soon. <clears throat> And one thing I'd like to throw, if J-Dub's listening, if Sean listens to this podcast, is when I do eventually release my rankings, which should be within the next couple weeks, when they get all blown to hell by the upcoming season, or obviously before the season, you guys want to have me on and grill me about my rankings, I would love that. I am a frequent, um, uh, what is it, frequent appearer, or I frequently appear on Making the Madness, which is one of my favorite shows to guest spot on. So I would certainly be open to that as well and give, uh, I would reciprocate so Sean and J-Dub can do the same to me. As always, thanks to the Chimp for joining us and uh, providing that third mic. Uh, just, I think, a fantastic addition to the show. I love having him on. I'm going to continue having him on. I hope you guys enjoyed as well. Don't forget, like, rate, review, share the podcast. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell your mom. Um, Get everybody to sign up. Leave a rating on Apple Podcasts. I believe we have the Spotify situation all figured out, so you guys should be listening on Spotify right now. We are brought to you by BellyUpSports.com, so certainly go there. I have been brought on as a staff writer for the site. I will be doing fantasy football, fantasy uh, daily fantasy college basketball. I will be doing NFL and college basketball wagering uh, salute or wagering sheets very similar to what I do for sites like Four Flush and US gambling sites at uh, NUP Solutions. So, I hope you guys enjoyed. I certainly enjoyed this show. This was a very fun show to do. Uh, we went a little bit over, probably about 30 minutes over, but uh, I thought the conversation was fantastic. Sean was a great guest, and as always, the chimp was a star. I appreciate you guys. I'll see you next week when I host Tom Noy, who is a Sports Illustrated writer covering Notre Dame basketball, uh, one of the guys that I really looked up to when I was running for Slap the Sign, and, and still do. I mean, Tom is, is top-notch, and I can't wait to get with him. And then I've got a few curveballs coming up. Um, some guys that are some people that have reached out to us that are interested in, in appearing on the show. And actually, when I was... All right, I'm going to bend your ear a little bit longer. When I was in uh, on vacation, I stayed with a buddy of mine in New Hampshire, and I got to meet his girlfriend. And she was telling me about a man named... Shit. i got to pull it up real quick. I, we, we drank uh, Johnny Blue basically all night. And um, I got to meet his, his girlfriend, Chrissy, and she told me about a man named... Travis Mills, who is a former vet or a veteran, um, who she happens to know, who is also friends with Mike Rowe of, of Dirty Jobs. And if you want to look up his story, go ahead. Um, he is an inspirational person. He's an inspirational uh, podcast. He has an incredible outlook on life for the things that have happened to him in his life. I thought he would be a fantastic guest. I am working on it. Um, and, and if that's the case, I, I cannot wait to have him on. So absolutely look up his story, Travis Mills. And um, I, I hope to get him on very quickly. Um, we're working on it. Again, I'm working through like, you know, he's about seven. It's about seven degrees of separation that we're working through right now. But I'm I'm hopeful that I can get Travis on here and uh, and just, you know, spend a few moments with us. It'll, it will be an off-topic 
podcast, but it's something I'm really looking forward to. So I hope you guys join me for that. I hope you guys have a great week. Thanks for joining me on ACCBR. I'm Michael Hunter at ACCBR1 on Twitter. Thanks much. Later.